When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy Podcast. Podcast. With your host, Paige DeMakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome into the TDN Fantasy Podcast. Paige DeMakos, Jake Arians, Jamie Eisner, and we are talking busts. For this upcoming fantasy football season, the guys you want to avoid. Jamie's got a couple of guys that he does not want on his team at all. Jake's taking a shot at some of the guys at the top of your list that might turn out to be a big old fat bust. And you do not want to have one of those guys, uh, Le'Veon Bell, of last year. So, but before we get into that stuff, there are a couple of major injuries that we need to get into Uh, And not like they've had horrible injuries, but major players um, in fantasy that we want to pay attention to. And the first guy we're going to talk about is Odell Beckham Jr. Because, listen, I think everybody on this podcast collectively is much lower on Odell Beckham Jr. than the rest of the fantasy community. And this injury, it's a hip pointer injury, uh, I believe, Jamie. Uh, this This is already a problem because... Our biggest concern with Odell is that he never stays healthy. And already now we have a concern going into the season. Yeah, and look, a hip pointer injury isn't the most devastating injury of all time. But you're dealing with a player that, as I've brought up on this show multiple times, hasn't played 75% of his career games. Injuries are a massive issue for Al Beckham, and they have been for some time. That's why he hasn't been ranked among my top five wide receivers all offseason. I know that seems crazy to some. I've seen Odell Beckham as wide receiver one more than a few places. We talked about a few weeks back. I saw him as the number five overall player in one place in a national outlet. So just to me, there's too much risk here to take him among the top five. I'm not necessarily going to drop him, I think, overall in my rankings, but I think it just solidifies my position of there. I'm going to take the the big three, Michael Thomas, and uh, I'm trying to think who am I? Oh, and Tyreek Hill over him. And I don't think there's any way I'm going to waver from that. Yeah, I mean, I have him at eight when we did our rankings wide receiver-wise. I don't think I'm, I'm – straying away from that. I mean, the hip pointer is basically a bruise of your IT band, your hip flexor, upper thigh, lower abdomen-ish. Speed guy, which means he probably got hit. It's tight. Didn't want to practice, whatever it is. It's not going to linger, but Jamie has the best point ever when you say he hasn't played 75% of his career games. That scares the hell out of me when you're talking about a guy you're going to have to take in the top eight to get him. He's one of the top guys I'm staying away from when we get into our next segment. He just, you know, there's just too much going on there. Yes, there's going to be some exciting, fun plays, and he's going to have some monster weeks. I'm just not sure it's going to be consistent enough for for me to want to touch it for sure. I also don't love the fact that his uh, new quarterback in Baker Mayfield talked about how it's going to take some time for them to get on the same page. Not exactly a ringing endorsement coming from Baker Mayfield. And I think that's the reality is we've all talked about this. 
I could see a scenario where, listen, the Odell doesn't become Baker's favorite guy or he's passing the ball around a lot, and Odell doesn't necessarily like that. He's been the man in New York, and it's going to be really interesting to see how things shake out with him uh, in Cleveland. The other injury we want to talk about here is another guy who's getting drafted very early, and that is George Kittle. Jamie, what's the update on the George Kittle injury? Looks like it's a strained calf or calf tightness is what they're saying, I believe, officially. I, there doesn't seem to be much concern around him. I don't have a ton of concern either uh, about the injury per se. Look, if if you're going to get one of these elite tight ends, you really don't care what's happening right now. You're overdrafting them. You're taking them in the second round, and you're living with the consequences. So I've kind of come to the point where either – I don't know if I can even talk people out of those premier tight ends anymore. I think if, if you're set on taking one of those guys at the top – in the top three, whether it's Ertz, whether it's Kittle, or whether it's Kelsey, you're going to do it regardless of what I say. I just something to monitor, but I'm really not coming off of him too much. Yeah, selfishly, I wouldn't mind if this thing lasts a week two because uh, they play the Buccaneers in week one and got to fly all the way across the country, but I wouldn't be that concerned now. Although calf tightness can be funny stuff, and we talked about it on last show and how that deals with the Achilles and what part of the calf we're talking about. We're talking about the gastroc where the Achilles attaches to the calf. Or are we talking about like the meaty part of the calf? It's, there's no telling. But if right now if it's just stiffness, not that big of a deal. But if it made the injury report, it's big a deal enough to pay attention to. I don't think it really changes where you would draft him fantasy-wise. Selfishly, I hope he lasts. I hope he's out until week two. Yeah, a little training camp observation coming from the San Francisco 49ers. Now, listen, we don't pay that much attention to what happens in every training camp uh, other than the major injuries and themes on a day-to-day basis practice. We're not really breaking that down, but we have to talk about this because I, we brought it up in our, in our pre-show of this podcast and both Jamie and Jake started kind of talking a bit more than I expected. And that is the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo was practicing with the San Francisco 49ers and threw five interceptions in a row. Uh, For those counting at home, that's not good. Uh, Jake, for somebody who's been in an NFL locker room, you've seen what it's like to be there during training camp. What does it mean that he threw five picks in a row? Because obviously we don't want to overreact. Yeah, so look, I mean, this is a new quarterback and a new system, and he's learning some things, and you got a new receiver that maybe ran the wrong route. Five picks in a practice isn't good, but it's not horrendous. Five in a row means he probably threw it to the wrong guy at least three or four times, and maybe you had a batted ball and whatever happened on the other one. But it ain't good anyway all the way around. You, you did a walkthrough that morning. You practice what you walked through. He knows the offense. The offense has been in. So for him to throw it to the wrong guy, have it, five in a row is just bad. Like there, there's That's an issue to be, especially you're not the first or second day of camp either. You're talking about the third week of camp. Uh, that. To me, that's concerning. I wasn't going to draft him anyway, but that's that's bad. I mean, I don't. There's no other way to put that. I'm not even sure the 49ers defense had five interceptions last season. I mean, that's that's. <laughs> so it's not like he's going up against the the 85 Bears in practice. Look, it, it doesn't mean a ton to me, but I'm I'm steadfast in my belief that Jimmy Garoppolo is a league average quarterback at best. 
until I see otherwise. And we, we've been forced to use our imagination when it comes to Jimmy Garoppolo more than any other starting quarterback in recent memory. I'm not saying he doesn't have the ability to be on the fringe of the top 10 quarterbacks. I'm just saying I haven't seen it with my own eyes, and neither has anybody else. So before we go and anoint him the king of San Francisco and we have San Francisco as a playoff team and a Super Bowl contender, I need to see him out there for a full season and execute Kyle Shanahan's game plan. Yeah, it's been one of the one of the more strange teams to pay attention to and to try and forecast going into this season is the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, a lot of hype, which I, I think is really bizarre considering everything Jamie just mentioned. Um, but this leads us nicely into our bus category. People that are people that are getting a lot of hype that ne- we necessarily don't agree with. So. Jake, I'm going to go to you first here. You have a list that you've compiled. I want to start off with the guys that are getting drafted really early that you potentially see really, really not working out this season. Yes, I'll preface it by saying I basically did this on my theme of all of our shows, and that's value you're getting as you draft your team. I think there's better people to take, safer people to take. Look, if you have a pretty solid team and they all are going to put up Decent numbers, 80% of the time, week in and week out, you're going to win a lot of games. Compared to trying to get Odell Beckham Jr., who's the first on my list, and have monster weeks, he's also going to have zeros because he might not play. And then you're trying to replace him with somebody because you overdrafted him. So OBJ is my first guy. If you draft him in the right place, say you're getting him 14th, 15th, which isn't going to happen, I'm okay with. But these people talking about the number one receiver, taking him fourth overall, fifth overall, sixth overall, because the running back situation is so up in the air, that scared the hell out of me. I think there's a lot better options you're going to have than OBJ in the top five. Todd Gurley is one of the other big names that I know Jamie's moved up in his rankings, and I love, but you better handcuff him if that's the case. There's just too much uncertainty there to be taken in the top five as well, although in all the mock drafts I've done, I've seen him falling as far as 10 to 15, which I like a lot better. If that's the case, maybe so, but it's all where you're going to draft these guys, and that's two of the biggest names on my list. Well, let's break those down individually there. We've talked a lot about Odell Beckham, so I won't go too deep further into there. He's number 15 for me. If you go to the draftnetwork.com, the nicely redesigned logos, look how sleek and everything is new on there. Uh, if you saw the all the stuff on Twitter yesterday, I have Odell Beckham 15th. I mean, I'm comfortable taking him in the second round, but I, I cannot possibly take a first round pick on him at all. When it comes to Todd Gurley, it's tough, and it, it's going to be how your league operates because you're going to be in some leagues where – Everybody says, hey, you know, we're, we're not taking him. We're not. We're, he's not on my board. If he drops in the second or third round, round, great. Otherwise, we don't care. Then you're going to be in some leagues where some will take a chance. I have him as my number nine overall player right now, knowing there's massive risk here. But what I'm hoping with Todd Gurley is that if I can get 70% of the player he's been over the last two years – I'm getting a first-round running back. And I think the Rams are going to make sure that even though he's not going to get as many touches, I still expect him to get the high leverage and the high scoring touches. And I think in that case, he's still probably worthy of a late-round one pick. But there's risk. Yeah, I will say it also depends on all these mock drafts. If you're doing a 10- or 12-man league, not so much. But I just started doing 14s because that's what we have with the draft network. And that is a whole other animal of what's going to be available and where you're reaching. You better not miss on your first four picks which makes all of this that much more important. The next guy on my list is Cam Newton, who's always been high. And another thing to say really on my list is it's really a bunch of names of people that aren't doing their homework. So if you're going to have you know three quarters of the people in your draft aren't really doing their homework and they're taking stuff because they've done it in the past, Cam Newton's a guy that you could take as your quarterback and people are taking him as high as the sixth round that could really bite you in the ass. 
Because if he ends up only playing half the games or that shoulder's not the same, he's not the same player that he's been in the past. That one could really hurt you if you're counting on him to be your quarterback one. Um, Eric Ebron, we talked about the other day. He's on the list. Jared Cook. I mean, that's the two tight ends on my list. Uh, Jamie, what do you think about those guys? Yeah, I have Newton in the ninth round for me. That's where I'd feel comfortable taking him. He's my QB nine. There's some upside there. He has been an extremely productive fantasy quarterback when he's been on the field, but he's not fully healthy. And, and I know there's reports about you know the, the deep ball looks good, and you know they can't cover Curtis Samuel and all the stuff that comes out this time of year. But there's a lot of risk there, and at a position as we've talked about with so many quality players, particularly in QB one leagues. There's really no reason at all to reach for Cam Newton. Somebody in your league, like Jake said, is going to reach for him because of his name value. And Eric Ebron, he was actually going to be on one of my li- my list later as one of the five guys. I'm not touching him. I, I don't know what to tell you people. He is going to be on the field less than another tight end in Indianapolis, and that's Jack Doyle. I'm not sure if Andrew Luck misses time. I think that's going to hurt Eric Ebron more than it's going to hurt Jack Doyle. I just his touchdown. Even if he plays the same role in that offense, his touchdowns are going to regress. I want nothing to do with Eric Ebron at his ADP this year. Nothing. Yeah, he's it's been very- gone in the top six rounds of every one I've done, and in every one I've done, Jack Doyle's there in the eleventh. It's very interesting because we've gotten a lot of uh, I've gotten a lot of feedback on the Eric Ebron uh, conversation that we had uh, the other day in our podcast, and that is because I think. In in most fantasy conversations that are happening with analysts, I don't know if they're just not looking at the same statistics you're looking at, Jamie, or what the scenario is. But for whatever reason, a lot of people still projecting that Eric Ebron is going to have a major role in this offense. And I just, I'm in agreement with you, Jamie. I I was I was really in. I had a, I think Jake and I both had Ebron on our teams last year, and we're pleasantly surprised with what we got out of him. But I can't imagine that he's going to do anything of what he did last year. And that's just going to automatically put him in that bus, ca- bus category. What so, makes major all moves in the away. NFL go, Paige? What have you done for me lately? He was great last year, but the offense yep. has changed. The amount of players that they have is, have changed. Doyle's back. He wasn't there last year. His role has completely changed. I agree with Jamie. I, I'm staying away from that one because he's going in the top six rounds. That's just crazy. Yeah, is that yeah, no, right now? Sorry, Paige, I didn't mean to cut you off here, but is that JDP right now? Is number 75. Like, I don't have him in my top 120. Like, I I just, to me, that's a complete avoid for me. Let somebody else take that risk. You know, if you're hunting for touchdowns, again, I, I would draft Eric Ebron over the next name I'm about to say. But if you're hunting for touchdowns, if that's your argument, I need someone that could maybe flirt with 10 touchdowns this year. How about the guy in Green Bay? That's all I'm saying is you could spend a last round pick on the guy in Green Bay that is, I think, just as I would say 80% of the same chance that Eric Ebron does of catching nine or 10 touchdowns this year. Yeah. I think he's got a better chance. He's going to be on the field for every play. Yeah, that's for sure. I'm staying away from both of them. Uh, Jamie, let's get into your list. Who are the five guys that you're avoiding in general? Because I know you kind of separated your list, but who are the five guys that you're like, absolutely not, you're not drafting these guys? Yeah, these guys would have to fall to to like the last round of the draft for me to, to really consider them. Uh, one was one of them. The other one, and I want to get Paige's thoughts on this, it's the Bears defense. Uh, I, their current ADP right now is 86. Number 86 overall is the Bears defense and special teams right now. I wouldn't take them in the top 150. They're still my number one ranked defense going into the season, but 
let somebody else in your league overpay. Like it's this is absolutely ridiculous. The Bears will regress a bit on defense, as good as they are in real life. And again, even if they finish as the number one defense, they would have to finish 30, 40 points above everybody else again to even pretend to justify a top one hundred pick. Just avoid. Yeah, I, as as much as it pains me to say, listen, I think the Bears defense, they got all the players back. The defense is going to be phenomenal, but it, to recreate what they did last season from a turnover perspective is nearly impossible. So they have to regress a little bit. And I just I just don't draft defenses that high. I don't care if you're the greatest defense of all time. Like I'm just not taking an opportunity. I'm not I'm not taking a pick that high on a defense. So uh, as much of a Bears homer as I am, if I'm telling you guys not to do it, you probably shouldn't do it. I just got the Broncos defense in the 14th round of a 14-team league. Yeah, thank you very much. Like that's that's, yeah, that's all, exactly all right. Yeah, I'll sign, sign me up for Vic Fangio's defense. Uh, I know it very well. Uh, Jamie, who else are you avoiding on that list? It's a name I've brought up way back when, but it's a good time for a reminder. Do not draft Kareem Hunt. Don't do it. He is going to miss the first eight weeks of the season. He is not eligible to return until November. There's a lot of fantasy football that's going to happen between your draft day and November. There are going to be a lot of waiver wire pickups that you want between now and, I will say this again, November. Why are you going to waste a roster spot on a guy that is a guaranteed zero for you for the first eight plus weeks of the season, and then just assuming he's a guy that you're going to want to start every week, at least in a flex spot, when he returns, when they have a premier running back already in Cleveland. I just, he is someone to me that if he's on the waiver wire late in the season, I'd be more than happy to take a chance and hold on to him for like a week or two, but I'm not going to tie up a bench spot all season and let my league mates grab all of the hot pickups in the first half of the season because I'm waiting on a backup running back to get back on the field with his new team. Yeah, he's on my list as well. I got him on number four here on my running backs. Of He's going in the top 10 rounds of all these mock drafts I'm doing. That's just insane. It's a top 100 pick. Maybe you, maybe you work a trade in week six because you're loaded up on receivers and need a running back to maybe take a flyer on to go late and somebody's, you know, two and eight at that point. Whatever it is. But don't draft him now. Jamie, you hit the nail on the head with that one. Yeah, I can't imagine. I, I don't think people realize you're talking about most fantasy seasons are ending in week 16, okay? So that means your fantasy playoffs, if you back it up, depending on how you're talking about by the time you get him even in a game, even even in a game, you're like one week out, two weeks out from the fantasy playoffs. I mean, that just it doesn't, doesn't make any sense to draft, to use a draft spot to get a guy like Kareem Hunt. I, I get who the player was, um, but I'm in total agreement with Jamie. Uh, let's continue on with your list here, Jamie. Who else are you avoiding? Well, if I haven't pissed off enough people with that one, I'm going to do it here. It's Kyler Murray. It's Kyler Murray for me. Uh, he, he's, yeah, I like this one. Again, another guy that's going in the top 100. I, I don't have him in my top 160. He's my QB 18. I re- I'm going to go pull up my numbers again. I want to read what my projection was for him. And again, I, I want you guys to tell me now that you have you know, had some more time, you've seen him play on the field, do you think that these numbers are way off? I have him for... 3,544 passing yards, 21 passing touchdowns, 15 interceptions, 500 rushing yards, three rushing touchdowns. If those numbers are way off, then let me know. If they're not, that's not a top 15 quarterback this year in fantasy or last year in fantasy or the year before that in fantasy. So unless you're projecting him to run for 1,000 yards or to have some massive spike in passing touchdowns, he's not going to finish the year as a QB1. 
Yeah, look, even if he throws for 3,900 and he throws for 28 touchdowns, he's not as high as I'm seeing him go in every one of these drafts, and that's like top seven rounds. He's going, he's going ahead of Matt Ryan. He's going way ahead of Roethlisberger, Winston, Rivers, Goff. It's just I think he's going to be fun to watch. I think he's going to be really exciting. But from a fantasy value, don't let that sway you just because he's the first pick of the draft and because Baker Mayfield – you thought was really good last year, but Jamie, you've put the numbers out there. Baker wasn't that good at a fantasy quarterback last year. Don't let that sway you for what you think is going to happen. There are much, much better options, and there's damn sure better value. Guys, this team is going to be better than it was last year, but I, th- I think the reaction that I am seeing by the fantasy community and the NFL community to Kyler Murray and him being a, a top 100 pick. Uh, apparently, you don't know much about this Arizona Cardinals team because that offensive line is still not not where it needs to be. Uh, he's still a small quarterback that's unproven that we haven't seen play preseason. Throw that out. Sorry, I'm not overly impressed with the six for six that he did in his preseason game. Uh, hey, drop those stats out for you. All right, so it was. Okay. His average throw was within 2.4 seconds. All okay. seven throws were within eight, eight yards of the line of scrimmage. Yep. Okay, and you've heard Cliff say everything's vanilla. We're not putting in anything. So what the hell have you seen him do other than he spins Nothing. it good? We all know he can throw the hell out of it. He wouldn't be the first overall pick. You haven't seen him do a damn thing. Yeah. Uh, seven, I'm just telling seven you. throws within eight yards of the line of scrimmage. Like that's – and they all came out quick because the offensive line is not any good. You haven't seen him yeah. do anything. Maybe you'll see more tonight but not enough to take him in the top seven rounds. Yeah, I, I'm just – I'm not a, a fan of the uncertainty. Uh, this is – if you're in a dynasty league and, and you want to take a flyer, like you want to take a guy, obviously it's a different scenario. But in a redraft format, I just – there are – I can pretty much guarantee that there will be 12 to 16 guys that are better from a fantasy perspective this year than Kyler Murray. I just I, – I can't in good faith tell Safe you to anyway. draft him. Say for one hundred percent. That's not right. even. That's not even a conversation. Um, listen, you want to take him later on and plug and play for certain matchups after we've seen what he can do. Sure, uh, I, I can buy into that. But that's a good one, Jamie. Where else? Who else you got left on your list? Uh, last one for me, and it, it's not so much I don't like the player. I just don't like where he's getting drafted right now. Uh, it's David Njoku. He's being taken in the top ninety picks. I have him outside my top one fifty. I just think you're getting a guy whose ceiling is the 10th, 11th, or 12th tight end. And to me, I'm not gonna. I'm gonna wait on tight end. But if I'm gonna reach, I'm gonna reach for a guy that I think can finish in the top five. I mean, is there's a potential that a guy like Vance McDonald could finish in the top five if he's the number two target share in Pittsburgh? There's a chance that guys like Austin Hooper, even though I, I wouldn't take him that high, could finish in the top five if he has a, if he's his season spikes and maybe there's an injury. I just don't see David Njoku being anything more than the 10th, 11th, 12th best tight end off the board. And again, to spend a top 90 pick on him, even though I like the talent, I just I, I can't see it. There, we've talked about this with a lot of teams. There's only so many mouths that can be fed. Somebody ha- the production has to stop somewhere. Not everybody in uh, everybody in Cleveland, everybody in Tampa, you know, everybody in with the Rams, somebody has to miss out. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, Vance McDonald's getting overdrafted in a lot of the ones I'm doing now, but he's still a guy that's there two or three rounds after Njoku for sure, and I think he has a bigger year. And like I said, Jack Doyle's been there in the 11th of almost all these drafts, which I think puts up as good a numbers as both of those guys, if not better. 
No, I, I'm in agreement with you guys. I think these are all this this list, Jamie, that you compiled is a you're you're you got a good list here, Jamie. You got a good list here of, of guys that we need to we need to definitely avoid. I think we're all in agreement. I'm gonna throw with that. a few more out there for you, Paige, on this. Uh, okay. buyer, my, I'm gonna call them buyer beware, and I'm gonna throw one of them on Jamie's list. The first one's Nikhil Harry. I'm gonna throw on Jamie's list. I'm not touching it, and I damn sure ain't buying all this hype. DK Metcalf, you get him at the right place, yes. But he's being way overdrafted for being this great god of a man and the name that's recognizable to a lot of people. Philip Lindsay, Darius Geis. Those are the four. Philip Lindsay's going like the early third, late second in a lot of these. He had wrist surgery in the offseason. I still love Royce Freeman. There's definitely going to be a timeshare in that backfield if they're both healthy. And Geis, we've talked about ad nauseum. Guys coming off ACLs, especially running backs, are not the same the next year. They have a very crowded backfield. And that's another guy that's getting way overdrafted because these a lot of these leagues that you're drafting in, the people that are putting out the projections aren't really doing their homework. I mean, if that's that, that guy's popping up, but you still got four or five other guys on there that you feel a lot more solid about, don't take the risk. Yeah, and I mean, as I look at like I like Philip Lindsay, uh, not second round Philip Lindsay. I have him at thirty four overall, so I, at the end of round three, beginning of round four, I still think he's going to get a ton of work, and I still think there's room for both him and Royce Freeman to have success. Um, you know, I, look, I agree completely about Darius Geis. I mean, I'm going to drop him down in my in my latest rankings. He's not. He's. I had somebody in round six right now. He's going to drop below that. There's so much uncertainty. Like I, I, he's not even cleared to for contact yet. It looked like he was progressing. And it's not that he's took a step back. He just progression hasn't gone on the same pace as we saw before. And with DK Metcalf, again, at the right price. I mean, I, I have him in round ten right now or round eleven. Then I'd be more than happy to take the Love it, be more than happy to take DK Love Metcalf. It, but uh, again, I think you have to be reasonable about how much they're going to pass in Seattle. Like, I don't think it's going to be as much as they're they're going to be either the number one or number two team in rush attempts this year. So there's only going to be only so many attempts to go around. Tyler Lockett's going to get his big plays. Somebody else in that offense has got to step up, but I'm not convinced it won't be David Moore, at least early in the season. So you can't overpay. Rookie receivers take time. Rookie tight ends take time. We've talked about this before. Those are positions that have historically started out slow for fantasy production in their rookie seasons, and I doubt that's going to change this year. What about Nikhil Harry? Well, I, I'm not. I'm just not a fan of that at all. Like I, I'm not taking him until like the tenth, eleventh round. Uh, I just I, I don't know what his role is going to be. That offense is going to go through James White and Julian Edelman in the passing game. If Josh Gordon is reinstated, then all of a sudden I have no idea what Nikhil Harry is going to do. He's going to get three targets a game. Like so. Uh, he's just a player that I'm not going to pay the price for. I, I just I don't like guys that can't get separation, especially in an offense that is predicated on guys getting open in the middle of the field. Um, you know, at, when week five comes around, Ben Watson's going to be into that offense at tight end, and we'll see if he plays any sort of role in the middle of the field. I just think there's way more potential that Nikhil Harry gets three targets a game than he does, than he gets eight targets a game, and that should scare you. Yeah, the theme of this podcast overall, I think it's important for for us to keep mentioning, is that a lot of these players, like Philip Lindsay, to go back to him, or even DK Metcalf, we like these players, but we don't like them where they're getting drafted. That's the important part to remember. When you're talking about what qualifies as a bus player, it's a it's a player. These players could turn out to be decent or good players, but not at their value. Odell Beckham Jr. being that perfect example. We do not want to draft these guys where they're currently being drafted. And I can assure you that I'm not going to draft Philip Lindsay 
in the second round. I mean, those are, and I like Philip Lindsay. I had Philip Lindsay last year. I think he's going to have another great year and I'm in the same uh, boat as Jamie. I'd draft him at the end of the third round, but that's a, that's a completely different story. You have to realize if you're drafted the beginning of the second round or even midway through, you're talking about big shift in where you're drafting guys. So I think it's important to remember that context. We're not saying Philip Lindsay's going to suck. We're just saying don't draft him in the second round. And Paige, let's put this, for example, to kind of combine our shows from the last two episodes. DK Metcalf and Nikhil Harry would kill to have the season Muhammad Sanu is probably going to have this year. Yes, that's that's a great thing to bring up, Jamie. Great thing to bring up because I think that's the that's the point of a guy like Sanu that you could get way later on who isn't a sexy pick but is going to be a, a much better option for you and more reliable and a safer pick than any of the guys we just mentioned. Yeah, just like we talked about Deion Lewis. I mean, that's another great one you're getting late. Mike Davis, Naheem Hines, some of the ones that were from that last show that Jamie talked about. Chase Edmonds was going like the 12th and 13th round in all these drafts. They're better options than having to reach for these guys early. Do do mock drafts. People, what we're telling you is we're doing our homework. And where we see these people going, they're getting overdrafted. So don't do it. Don't fall in the trap. Yeah, do the mock drafts. That's the, the the best way that you can prepare is reading the rankings, listening to podcasts, and doing the mock drafts. That's a very simple scenario for how you can get better uh, and prepare yourself for the draft. Jamie, anybody else you want to talk about uh, before we, we wrap things up? There's only one other name, and I want to read this stat, and it's not somebody that I'm not drafting. I'm still taking him in the first round. But it's somebody that I at least have a little bit of concern about, and we've talked a lot about it on the show, and I've gotten a lot of questions about him on Twitter, and that's the one, the only, Le'Veon Bell. And I want to give credit to Bobby Sylvester of Fantasy Pros because he tweeted this out today. He said, think of it this way with Le'Veon Bell. Since Gase became a head coach, his teams have run an average of 116 fewer plays per season than Pittsburgh. That's the equivalent of Bell being capped at 14 touches a game oh my goodness wow that so is terrifying it's or, or sorry excuse me he says this as 14 games played so basically take off assume that he's basically going to miss two games if he was with pittsburgh so uh, what he's saying is at best we are looking at a situation compared to pittsburgh where Le'Veon bell is suspended for two games and then you get the production as if he's playing 14 games but over a 16 game stretch that should concern you the fact that Le'Veon Bell spends the most or the second most over the last few years time behind the line of scrimmage of any running back in football and is now going to a vastly inferior offensive line in Pit- from Pittsburgh to New York, that should scare you. There's a ton of risk at the end of the first round with every single running back, whether it's Bell, whether it's Mixon, whether it's Gurley, whether it's Gordon, whether it's Zeke. There's, ri- there's risk everywhere. But just be aware that we might not think about Le'Veon Bell as a risky play from a football standpoint as much as we have from an injury standpoint because he's missed time. He's very much a risk from a football standpoint too going to this offense. He almost yeah. made my list. Yeah, I, I think I'm, I'm was if I, I had put together about five guys and you guys had hit on all of them, but the last one that you didn't bring up was Le'Veon Bell. Um, and that's because shout out to J.C. Cornell, who's the CEO of the Draft Network. He was hitting me up a bunch about different guys that he was kind of looking at and evaluating. And he said, what do you think about Le'Veon Bell? And that statistic uh, coupled with the fact that he took an entire year off of football has could always had injury concerns, always had injury issues. Um, 
and and my concern level with that offense in general. He l- let me be very clear: the Pittsburgh Steelers' offense that you saw with Le'Veon Bell was a lot, lot better than the New York Jets' offense is going to be. So that is concerning overall because I just there's not going to be as many plays. He's not going to be out there as often. I don't project that team to be that good, which means they're going to be down in games, which means I don't think they're going to run the ball that much. I, I think Le'Veon Bell is definitely up in that category where I, I don't want to say I don't want to draft him. I just don't want to draft him in the first round because I have to be sure that my guy in the first round is going to be great. And I just don't know if he's going to be great. I, I have concerns. If you're picking ninth or 10th, now he's intriguing because everybody is risky at that point. Yes. And, and yes. really when you get past, like I thought it was going to, when you get to like eight, it was going to start getting iffy, but now there's so much stuff up in there with Gordon and Zeke and all the stuff with these running backs. It really starts getting weird at like four or five of what you want to do. And if you get to nine or 10, it's getting really weird depending on what happened in front of you. Maybe one of those receivers drops. Julio might be there. You get lucky, something like that. But at nine or 10, he's still very intriguing to me. Why I didn't put him on this list because at nine or 10, if you go back a couple years, he's still going to be as good as anybody you would have taken at nine or 10, I think the last three or four years. So the question here is all in with this. If if Melvin Gordon's there at nine, and Le'Veon Bell's there at nine, Jamie, who are you taking? Uh, Le'Veon Bell, I'm not even thinking about it that much. Bell's, yeah, Bell's in I camp. I agree with that 100. percent Yeah, he's in camp, he's practicing, and he's under contract. Okay, all right. There's the answer. Those are those are two of the players that are getting talked about quite a bit. Obviously, a lot can change uh, if Melvin Gordon shows up to camp. Uh, I heard Philip Rivers talking about him uh, uh, on Thursday. So it, listen, he shows up to camp. Everything's fine. All of a sudden, I, I think the, the two answers that you just got would be flipped uh, slash Melvin Gordon probably wouldn't be there at nine overall anyways. Um, yeah, but, but I mean, I, mean if, I think the risk the risk you take there, Paige, is if he comes, let's say he signed today. He's probably, let's say like he and Zeke signed today, just for example. Gordon's probably running backs or probably running back an overall pick five or six. So, I mean, even if he's in camp, he's not that far ahead of where Le'Veon Bell would be, who would be probably at 11 at that point. So right now with the uncertainty, I think it's worth more than five spots to say, you know what, as much as I'm concerned, I'm going to go with a guy I at least know is going to be on the field in week one. I think there's another interesting dynamic when it comes to him. Does he come into camp without a new contract or does he come in with a new contract? If he comes in with a new contract, I agree with you. He's the fifth or sixth player going off the board. He comes in under his current contract and he caves. I can see them downgrading his workload, using the other guys as much and killing his value for the next year if they're trying to re-sign him or trying to re, you know, do this deal as the season goes on, saying, look, we got other guys that Eckler's getting more catches, Jackson's getting more touches. It'll be really interesting to see if, if and when he comes, if it's under the new deal, or if he caves and comes under his, under his current deal. Yeah, luckily for us fantasy analysts, uh, I know it's not great if you're a Cowboys fan or if you're a Chargers fan, but the fact that these two guys continue to hold out just gives us more stuff to talk about. Uh, every day there's updates. Even today I joked about talking about Ezekiel Elliott's weight because that has been something that's come out and how good he looks and all this stuff. So it's continuous. It's updating constantly, and obviously we'll, we will continue to talk about where we're going to take these guys and what our concern level is. Uh, Jake, any parting thoughts on today's podcast? I'm going to reiterate what you've said for every show for like a month now. Don't draft early. (laughs) Jamie, any parting thoughts? 
Well, sadly, I have to draft tonight uh, in my big money league. So uh, I'm not thrilled about that, not knowing what's going on with the two top five players. But do we want to get into our rookies of the year quickly before we end, wrap up the week? Because I know we didn't get a chance to get into them earlier. Oh, yes. We definitely want to get into these quick prop bets that we were all pretty excited about. So I know you guys both have kind of your offensive rookie of the year and then long shots. So we've done that with all the props is what like Super Bowl, for instance, a Super Bowl prop that we like and then a long shot shot pick uh Denver Broncos was Jamie's uh long shot pick let's do offensive rookie of the year let's start with that uh just your regular pick and then we'll do a long shot Jamie I'll let you go first so this should make what I said about him even earlier nail that point home it's Kyler Murray I think he's gonna win offensive rookie of the year and I still don't think he's going to be a QB one in fantasy so uh, to me, he's three to two right now. He's the favorite. There's you're not going to get a lot of return on that investment. It's probably not worth betting um, unless you're a Cardinals fan. You just kind of want to have it with you. Uh, but I think he's going to have a really strong season. I just don't think when you're dealing with all of these great quarterbacks in the NFL, particularly for fantasy purposes, that he's going to be a QB one when season end. Yeah, I got Kyler Murray winning it as well. I, I think unless he gets hurt, I think he wins rookie of the year. A long shot for me would be Miles Sanders or one of these rookie running backs, but I'll throw Miles Sanders out there. Uh, but I think really it's Kyler's to lose, and I think he has to get hurt to even lose it. Jamie, who's your who's your long shot? Justice Hill, 50-1. to one. I love that bet. I, I st- Again, I'll continue, continue to say I think he's a better fit for what they want to do in Baltimore than Mark Ingram is. And again, they drafted him after Mark, they signed Mark Ingram. Um, he's not going to get the starters role from week one, which is why he's a long shot here. But he could have an extremely dynamic second half of the season. And he is a much better talent than Gus Edwards was. And Gus Edwards had plenty of success with Lamar Jackson. I think if the Ravens somehow get themselves into significant playoff contention and Justice Hill is just tearing it up, there's going to be a lot of talk about him for rookie of the year at 50 to 1. All right, let's go to the defensive side of the ball. Defensive rookie of the year and your long shot. Start off with uh, your defensive rookie of the year. I'll let you go first, Jake. So I think it's Devin Bush and Devin White, the Devin brothers. I think they're battling it out. I think both middle linebackers are going to have huge years for their respective teams. Uh, I'll go with Devin White and be a homer uh, Uh on that one. And then my long shot would be Greedy Williams uh, if he's playing a lot of man and getting some picks in that Cleveland defense. And I'm going to go with, on my end, I'm going to go with the other Devin. I'm going to go with Devin Bush. And I think the difference in that is going to be this. The Steelers are going to make the playoffs. The Buccaneers are not. And I think when it comes to that voting at the end of the year, if they put up comparable production on defense, Devin Bush is going to get a ton of national attention. He already is. People love the fit there in Pittsburgh. It's a very highly talked about team. I think people' expectations are lower, so if lower than they should be for Pittsburgh. So when they overperform those expectations and the defense is improved, I think everybody's going to know that Devin Bush was a big reason why. As far as long shot goes, it's really tough because we kind of know for defensive rookies who's going to play, who's not going to play, and so does Vegas. I just kind of did a dart throw and I went um, Jawan Williams in New England at fifty to one. Uh, just in case, again, he's a he's a really Physical player, he's he fits that system well. New England again, another team that's going to be a playoff team and that's going to get a lot of attention. You know, if his interceptions spike in his rookie year, I think there's a lot of chance that he could get some defensive player of the year love. But I really don't love any of the long shots for DPOY. Yeah, I can't imagine it's going to be anybody other than Devin White or Devin Bush. Both guys getting a lot of attention uh, early on in the preseason before they've even played in a in a real NFL game. Uh, Jake, how can everybody follow you on social media? 
Jake B. Arians on Twitter and Jake Arians on Instagram. Jamie? You can follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter and at Jay Eisner FFB on Instagram. And you guys can follow me at the underscore sports page with an I on both Twitter and Instagram. And you should follow our account at TDN Fantasy on Instagram at TDN Fantasy underscore on Twitter. Make sure you check out all of our content on thedraftnetwork.com and have a great weekend. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.